Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. We just heard in the news there, uh, the city of Minneapolis testing out their voting machines ahead of the March 5th primary election. And our next guest knows a little something about that. He is Steve Simon, the Secretary of State for the state of Minnesota, joins us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Let's start there, Steve. Can you tell us about how often voting machines uh, anywhere in Minnesota are tested out? How routine is that? Hey, yeah. Uh, First of all, thanks for having me. And I loved that lead-in. It was music to my ears because, yes, today is a day when people around the state of Minnesota are doing exactly what that lead-in described. It's called a public accuracy test. It's mandatory in state law. Anyone who owns elections equipment, be it a city, a county, whoever, they have to trot that out for public view and testing on a day like today before every election. So that's whether it's the presidential primary, whether it's the August primary, whether it's the November general election, that has to be done. That ought to inspire confidence. I think it does, and it ought to, because it's an occasion when people can come in and they watch the elections workers basically try to trick the machines. They will crease the paper or rip it or put stray marks on it or overvote or what have you. And only if the machines um, are perfect and accurately convey what the voter tried to convey, will they be used in the upcoming election? So, so we're going to do that three times this year. So per, so it has to be perfect. So in other words, it's like, well, I missed this one, but it's still good to go. They have to absolutely have 100% accuracy. Right. And they keep doing it um, so that they know that it's 100% accurate. So they want to make sure that the equipment is up to snuff and that it's good enough for us in Minnesota and we demand that it be totally accurate and it's not used if it isn't. We brought this up before about how different counties, different states have different types of voting machines and I guess one might wonder, well, why isn't there a uniform system all, all across the country? But haven't you argued before that it's a good thing that we have different kind of voting machines and systems? Yeah, I think competition is good and what we do in Minnesota is our office sort of to use a food analogy or a restaurant analogy, we put the stuff on the menu. So we certify whatever brands of vendors want to come in and meet the rigorous requirements. We put it on the menu, but we don't order off the menu. That's up to the counties in Minnesota, all 87. They can only order what's on the menu. They can only order what's been certified by our office. Uh, But it's up to them. And we have a patchwork. Some counties choose one brand and other counties choose another brand. But I think that's good when the competition is good. Steve, when will we know the results of this testing, and is it transparent and open to the public? Yes, you'll know today, and anyone off the street can walk in. You don't have to be from Minneapolis or the jurisdiction that's holding it. You don't have to be a big shot or a VIP or have an engraved invitation. Any person from anywhere in Minnesota can walk on in and watch these elections folks basically kick the tires, look under the hood, try to trick the elections equipment. And by the way, this is not new. We've been doing this for many, many years. It's only become more relevant in recent years because of some of the, you know, um, let's just say disinformation about our election system, including but not limited to um, the accuracy of the elections equipment. Do people do it? 
Do people kick the tires? Do they try to trick you Just guys? Yeah. yeah. In fact, I am going to one later today in Shakopee for Scott County. So I'll be there watching theirs. And, um, Are you going to wear do. a disguise and try to pretend? I'm not. That, oh. <laughs> Not at all. I'm going. (laughs) No incognito, no Groucho glasses, nothing like that. I'm going to go in, and we're going to have others come with us so we can shine a light on this. But, but yeah, any citizen can ask questions. They can um, watch and almost literally peer over the shoulders of the election folks who are doing these tests. And as I said, they, they try to trick the machines. That's the goal. And this is the first of three rounds. So Minneapolis is going to have to do this again before the August primary. And Minneapolis and every other jurisdiction in the state is going to have to do this a third time before the general election. That's our law. It's been that way for a long time. But, you know, I don't expect Minnesotans to, like, attend and flock to these things. They've got lives and jobs and all the rest. But it's good that everyday folks just know that this exists, that it's out there. Uh, Secretary of State Steve Simon is on the line. We've seen um, pushes or efforts, even in North Dakota, saying, we don't trust machines to count our votes. We should do it by hand. Why is that a bad idea, if it is? Well, it's a bad idea because it's less accurate. It's more expensive, and it's more time-consuming. Other than that, it's a great idea. Um, uh, it, it, it really is. It's, it's more accurate to do the way that we do, which is we always have paper ballots as a backup, no question. We are a paper ballot state. It's something you can touch and feel and see, so that's always the backstop. But the tabulating machines are more accurate than hand counts. Um, sometimes we do hand counts afterwards in certain recount situations just to do belt and suspenders, and that's okay. But it's also more expensive because you need more time and more people hours and more equipment. Um, and it takes longer. When you do the hand counting that some people are talking about, you're talking about 20-some, 30-some contests on a ballot. That means you got to do a hand count for each one of those. You're talking days or weeks after the election day when results would be known. So, look, our system of, of tabulated ballots, where you have paper that you can touch and feel and see and challenge at the end, has really withstood the test of time. We've had that system for decades. It's safe, it's secure, and that has really served us well. Steve, the reason we called your office to begin with, I mean, this all just came up today, so thank you for the education, and it was perfectly timely. But uh, one of the other things we want to ask you about is the fact that the Secretary of State's office, your office, is coordinating active shooter drills for election workers. No, Arizona oh, is. Oh, I'm so, yeah. I'm so sorry. That's all right. But <laughs> I misspoke. I want to know if you do that here and, you know, why – do you think this is necessary? Do you think this is extreme? Sorry. And again, Minnesotans, I misspoke. I'm sorry. This is happening in Arizona. <laughs> and we okay. want to ask Steve about if it's happening here. Right. No, we do not do active shooter drills uh, to prepare for the elections. I I saw that same article that Arizona does it. Their situation is a little different. I don't want to speak for them, but they had a couple of pretty scary incidents in 2022 involving people who were armed, who were camped outside the polling places. We have not had that. And Minnesota's rules are quite clear. Others are less clear. In Minnesota, for years, for decades, the rule has been the only people allowed within 100 feet of a polling place are voters, election workers, and anyone who naturally works in that building, a school, a community center, whatever. So fortunately, in Minnesota, knock on wood, our 
um, polling places, 3,000 polling places, by the way, throughout Minnesota on elections, have been really an oasis of, of calm. Uh, and that's a good thing. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't take precautions, and we do. Let me tell you what we actually do. We don't do active shooter drills, but we do all sorts of other things. So we do constant training, including in de-escalation techniques and emergency preparedness for the poll workers. Um, we have an election security team in our office that develops relationships with all local election officials and advises them on a number of things, including physical security. We recently conducted what's called a tabletop training exercise um, in partnership with local election officials and federal and state law enforcement, where we all met. And there were 50-plus counties in Minnesota that participated, and we sort of gamed out security uh, scenarios and who would do what and who would say what and what the chain of command is. And so I feel cautiously optimistic that we're in a good spot to handle whatever could arise in a polling place. We have, as I say, had an extremely safe record across many years in terms of our polling places. And so I'm cautiously optimistic this year that we can keep it that way. How often, though, or how recent has it been where, for example, you're teaching people at polling places de-escalation techniques? I mean, is that a relatively new thing? Or has this always been the situation that security has always been a concern at polling places? No, it's recent. It's, It's really the last few years. And it's for some of the reasons that we've all been sort of hinting at, which is over the last few years, um, we have seen this um, increased scrutiny of election systems. And by the way, scrutiny is fine and cynicism or skepticism is absolutely fine. I think that's healthy in any democracy. People should ask electeds and uneleteds tough questions, me very much included. But we don't want that to turn into something else. We don't want that to morph into a violent tendency or outright hostility or something like that. And so we have um, helped uh, poll workers uh, get schooled in de-escalation techniques. We got a First Amendment, and thank God for it. Anyone can express a strong view and salty language and all the rest. Just don't interfere with the election administration itself. Say what you want, express your opinion, yell at someone, that's fine. But do your thing, go and vote, and then get on your way and allow your friends and neighbors to vote as well. That's the key Yeah, thing. but don't yell at anybody. Don't, yeah, don't, don't do that. Well, I'll Maybe say a that, little not muted, you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're talking to Steve Simon, our Secretary of State. A couple more questions. Uh, some of the texters want to know if Mike Lindell is invited to test out the election system. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say not explicitly, but if Mike Lindell wanted to attend one or ten it? or a hundred of these things, just like any Minnesotan. And, and again, you don't have to live in the place. If you hear that Minneapolis today is doing its public accuracy test and you live in Bemidji or Minnetonka or St. Louis Park, go for it and vice versa. Also, we just watched Curb Your Enthusiasm. I don't know if you're a fan, but <laughs> we saw Larry David get arrested in Georgia because he gave a bottle of water to a friend of his who was online waiting to vote. And she had been waiting out in the Georgia heat for two and a half law. hours. That's a real yes, thing. there's really a law in Georgia that says you can't give comfort, uh, meaning right. water, to people that are waiting to vote. Do we have that law in Minnesota? We don't. We don't. And I'm glad we don't. But what we do have, which I hope every state has, is this. You can't give something of value to someone if it's in exchange for a vote, obviously. You can't give water or candy or anything if you say, hey, vote for candidate X and here's this great bottle of water. We do have that law. But just simply offering someone comfort, not tied to an outcome or a vote, that is... um, 
I'm that's thankfully not our approach. Let's put it that way. Georgia did what it did, but we're not doing that here. Primary coming up, obviously the general election in November. How do we sit when it comes to election workers and judges, uh, especially volunteer workers? Uh, do we need some people? Well, we're always looking for people. We need 30,000, believe it or not. That's a small army, every election in Minnesota to do that job. It is a job. It is paid. And my pitch is always to new people, particularly younger folks. You know, you can do the election judge work. That's what we call our poll workers, election judges, as of age 16. And they got to let you out of school under state law. And they got to let you out of work under state law. It's paid. Yeah, Even was, the two hours of mandatory training is paid. It might look good on a college application, yeah, resume, that sort of go. thing. So I, yeah. I, I feel cautiously optimistic. I always forget that. I always say volunteer, but no, that's those are paid positions. So I got yeah, a couple yeah. of kids. I'm going to send you away, Steve. I'll, uh, I'll take them. Apply. Steve Absolutely. Simon, we want to thank you so much. Is there thank anything you, we didn't ask you? Because we asked you a lot. Anything you want to mention while we got you on the air? Yeah, I'll just mention that we are right now in the voting zone for the presidential primary. We're a Super Tuesday state. That's going to be March 5th. That's three weeks from today. Anyone in Minnesota who's eligible now can vote now by absentee. To find out more, our website is mnvotes.gov, mnvotes.gov. You can order the ballot to come to you. You can vote in person between now and Election Day. And, of course, game day itself, Tuesday, March 5th. Awesome. I wouldn't miss the opportunity to go vote in person and get my sticker and weep openly in the voting booth. <laughs> my grandmother could not. Is it because of the choices you're facing? That's with? right. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Appreciate the time Thank as you always. Thank you very much. Yep. Thanks for having me. That's true, actually. Maybe I should weep not because <laughs> crime, that I'm yes. a woman and I have the right to vote, but because of the These candidates. Are the choices you that face. I have. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Uh, 1121, uh, back after this on WCCO. Did you really not know who was singing with Usher? No, I didn't know. I guess how would Am you? I supposed to recognize like Alicia Keys and Yes, my all God, you're supposed no. to recognize Alicia Keys, but like so you didn't I guess you're not supposed to know Lil John or yeah. Luda Ludacris. Like I thought I I, I thought Did you know I knew Usher? who they were and then I had to look it up. Yeah, I knew yeah. Usher. But then when these other actors came, I or actors, artists came. I went to Twitter to find out who they were. And, and did Twitter have fastest. an answer for you, or was it the goat rodeo it that it is? Yeah, not as good as it used to, but yeah. but yes, it still did. Yes, it was still the fastest way for me to figure out who's performing with Usher at the halftime show. I just noticed this on Star Tribune has an article they just put out today. They're like Target. The last time Target tweeted, yeah, my birthday of last year. Happy birthday! But that was uh, January twenty twenty three. Yeah, it's a year. So Target hasn't tweeted in a year, so that just goes to show how much Best Buy last Target. posted in November of 2022. General Mills last posted September of 2023. Medtronic uh, left the platform. I wonder if they're still advertising. Does it say if they're still advertising at all? I mean, if they're not posting, why would they be advertising? What are, you know, what Posting is free advertising. Uncertain nature of the platform, unpredictable nature of Elon Musk are factors for companies reconsidering. Uh, the retailer's target's absence from the app isn't unique. Uh, significant, uh, and oftentimes, significant advertising dollars have walked away from the once dominant network. And Adam, so they must still and Adam have said they don't advertise. They don't advertise. So Adam them. said, "Why are we still using it?" Right. I said, "I'm not." I know you're not. I, I haven't still tweeted, am, but it's not nearly as yeah. effective as it used to be. Where it's like, even people I frequently interact with on yeah. X or Twitter, mm-hmm. I don't see their tweets. No. 
And it's like, how can that, how is that possible? And when I'm looking for breaking, that's the biggest turnoff for me. I don't really care about followers on Twitter. I don't, yeah. I never saw it, even when I had a small business, like as a, as a good advertising tool because it just goes too fast. It's not a great, it's not great for advertising. Yeah. So what I did go for was for breaking news mm-hmm. and even like, uh, or reaction. For example, like when I was watching the Grammys, I love, right. you know, awards shows, I would kind of, Look and see what people were tweeting. We reinforce about. our views. That's well, what which we talked about, about on Monday. And it wasn't even in my feed. And things like breaking news, for example, the release of two hostages, or, or not, excuse me, it wasn't a release, it was an IDF rescue of two hostages, not even at the top of my feed. Like, really, Twitter, have we met? Do you not know me? Mm-hmm. This is all I think about. Right. So I, it was just, it's been so disappointing for me that I just don't find it as a useful tool anymore. So I certainly don't tweet. But is this it? It's going the way of the dodo? Like, we're done? Well, it's been a long, slow death if it is. It has. I mean, I don't, I don't Threads see was supposed to come and take over. They no. haven't done that. There's been no traction on Threads. Zero. Or Mastodon. Remember Mastodon? Right. That was Mastodon. for five minutes. Yeah. I think I still have a I Mastodon. I think I, I, was gonna, I think I got halfway through signing up for Mastodon, and I gave up. I'm uh, like, yeah. I'm just too old to do that anyway anymore. It's like, I don't I'm think too, you're I, too I'm old. Just, I'm just, just too think exhausted it's not... Pick you out like, what what are your what are your you like what do you like in life? Yeah, like, I don't care on. anymore. I don't want to don't I do, I don't want to tell you and you don't want to find. But out. you're on TikTok. I am on TikTok because it's user friendly. So it's is Joe fun, Biden. and it feeds you chocolate stuff chip that cookies. <laughs> sure, chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> that you're interested in Twitter is just it's it's a dinosaur. It's not relevant anymore, and that's why I don't use it anymore. Uh, and neither does Target. Did you find? Did you? Did you? What was her name again? Uh, oh, Wendy Chill. Chill? Stacey, Wendy Chill. Wendy did Chill. we track did, down Wendy Chill? I didn't reach out to Wendy Chill. Do we have any guests coming up uh, in relation to our random review? I of wanted to make sure class that my action park memory was accurate because I did grow up and I have been to Action Park. I said to my brother and sister, "I'm like, guys, do you remember Action Park?" And they're like, "Deb said my my older sister says she doesn't, but she was very like." Um, a conservative kid, like mm-hmm. didn't, didn't want do, to do a lot of chances, kind of not an amusement yeah. park kind of kid. My brother, who was younger, says he remembers once or twice, but no clear memories. My ex-husband very clearly remembers going to Action Park and and the T-shirt, I survived Action Park mm-hmm. because they actually used to sell them there. Yep. And I just have very specific memories of going down the Alpine slide and getting hurt, yep. getting scraped. Well, and, you lived. That's a good thing because one young man did not live. No, no, six people. Right, did but I not mean one live. specifically on the, the Alpine, Alpine slide. slide. Yeah. Correct. Yes, I didn't get thrown as far as that guy. Did. So we reviewed, we watched. What's not Traction Park? They used Class to call it Traction Park. Park. It's called Class Action Park. It's about a. It's a documentary about Action Park, which was a amusement park and a water park in Vernon, New Jersey. And I have been there, and friends have been there, and everybody would come home injured. And I was vindicated to see what happened with Action Park. So we will review it, and you share your thoughts about Clash Action Park next. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. 
It's not really fair to ask the question, what was Action Park? Basic level, you can say it was a water slide park. But in truth, it was so much more than a water slide park. Action Park was the chaos summer park with very little oversight, too much alcohol, whistles blowing, people screaming, motors running. It was an energy, you know? You knew you were jumping into the fire pit. I had a great time watching Class Action Park because it brought back so many memories. And we didn't go often, but I know I've been once or twice to Action Park. And I remember the apprehension of going, thinking, oh, my gosh, people get injured here every year. I hope I don't get hurt. Yet you wanted to come to school the next week and say, I went or tell your friends that you went to Action Park and you lived. So – And the commercials, I mean, Adam, they just brought me back. Those commercials, I grew up in northern Jersey, and I was about 20 minutes, probably 30 minutes maybe from Action Park. I grew up in Parsippany. This is in Vernon. Remember Great Gorge Valley? You know, I I just remember all of it. And um, I, first of all, I loved the flashbacks, the hair of the 80s and early 90s. It was fun to see those videos, but I didn't realize the severity and the um, liability and the negligence right. that the leadership at Action Park was committing at the time that it was open. Here's what I'm wondering, though. And again, yeah, the owner, the guy, I forget his name off the top Gene of my head. Gene Mul- Mulville. Right. Mulvahill. Excuse me. And, you know, there was... It wasn't completely bashing him. I mean, the, the reporter woman who they interviewed, she said she had a relationship with at the end of her life they became more yep he got her fired for writing about action park right but he they became colleagues or friends but my how many of these amusement parks are there or were there across the country where there was little oversight and just by the grace of god thankfully nobody was killed on some of those things i think we always kind of assume that maybe Mm -hmm. Some of the smaller ones, you know, mm-hmm. especially ones that pop up at county fairs and whatnot, yeah. aren't exactly uh, monitored closely. And that's what – so that's what I was wondering is like how many other action parks were there out there? Except just he because, had money. Yes. He had money to build huge – and he was funded by a crooked you yep. know, Wall Street guy who eventually went to jail. But he – they could have big dreams and they could execute big, huge rides because they had money to build them. So I don't know how many other smaller parks across the country would have the the finances to execute that. And that's what Class Action Park was about. It was about this big vision of Gene Mulvihill who was kicked off Wall Street for fraud or what have you. All those stories start out of Wall Street. Yeah. So and he made some money. Yeah, yeah. but that—that's another question too. So you get you've vanished. I think I'll—I think I'll start an amusement park. And he had these big dreams and ideas for big rides, and it was just shocking. They tested them first on crash test dummies, then on humans. Kids, uh, like, kids. Hey, here's a hundred bucks. Go down this slide. Yes, the cannonball. Uh, yes, the, with the loop in it. Yes, they're off. No, that wasn't the cannonball one. That was a water slide. That was the um. Yeah, it was called the Alpine the, slide. No, it was, oh, was called it? the uh, the Cannonball Loop. Oh, okay. That Did was you scary. ever do that one? See, that's the one I think I went on. And I remember when I got to the top of the loop, which is all enclosed, gravity kicked in. And I remember like I didn't – wasn't 
I was light and I wasn't yeah. fast enough to go around without hitting. So I got to the top of the loop, fell to the bottom of the top of the loop and yeah. sort of tumbled down the rest of the way. That's what they said would happen. They said if kids were getting their teeth knocked out and the teeth were stuck in the loop because and they would get to the top the of the loop yes. and they'd mm-hmm. fall down and they'd hit the That's bottom of the loop. I didn't and get any teeth knocked out. Some kids were too, like you had to be, you had to be big enough to go around the loop, but you couldn't be too big, otherwise you get be stuck. too fat. You yes. get stuck. That's right. So I just, I do remember it being a death trap. And some of the rides, I was like, oh no, because I was probably fairly young. I you know I was early teens, and I do remember being scared of the teenagers there because everybody seemed drunk, and they were big, you know, the older teenagers, eighteen, nineteen, that kind of thing. And there were always teenagers there, especially on the weekends, and they. They were scary because they were taking their lives in their hands. The one thing I didn't do was the Tarzan swing that because I didn't love heights that much. So I didn't do the Tarzan swing. But, my God, people used to jump all over each other on that one. And I remember – yes, I remember people flashing each other. They would go on the Tarzan swing and they would pull take their off their top. <laughs> take off their top or pull their – yes, I, I remember. It was it was lawless, friends. It was – Sounds like a great chaos. time to be honest with you for right. a teenager. And – I thought it was a little long. You know, there were a couple of times where it was a little slow. They got in the weeds. Yeah. But I loved watching it because... Well, it was nostalgia for you. And also, it's shocking how negligent the management was. Even the security. They interviewed yeah. people that ran security, and they're like, there wasn't security. Yeah. If, if you were there two summers, you got promoted to head of security. Like, there was, you know, they said kids are smoking pot, doing coke, and having sex. Yeah. That's because it was run by teenagers. Right. The inmates were running the asylum. And it was fun to see those crazy rides again, but I'm glad we live in a world where that doesn't exist anymore. So I watched it too, and I guess I must have been overhyped because I was just like, okay. That's my fault, sorry. No, no, it's a dangerous park that likes, and again, I was thinking there must have been tons of parks like this around the country that just, we've evolved as a society and I know there's some people who say, ah, oh, things were better back then when you could go in there and, you know, you live a little dangerously, you didn't have to coddle. No, it's called being smarter, too, and yeah. actually, you know, having fun adventure parks that, you know, don't injure or kill people. But it's it's reflective of a different time where, no, your parents weren't negligent, but that that's what they do. It's it's an amusement park. Right. They go, your kids go to it, and sure, I'm sure it was shocking when they when they had these deaths. You know, a couple of them happened in the wave pool, which was just, I mean, you get so many people in in a wave pool and somebody Mm -hmm. goes under and they said, you know, and they put the new guy at the, if you're the new lifeguard, you get to go in the busiest, most dangerous spot. Oh, that makes sense. Um, But yeah, it's, we just, there was a certain adventure to that, but yeah, we just have gets, we get, we've gotten smarter as a society. No, it's not because we're kids are, no, we're not soft and our kids aren't soft because we don't send them to water parks where they may die. It's just, th- this is how society has advanced. I'm going to give it six out of 10 Alpine slides just because it was so nostalgic yeah. for me. But I get it if you give it less. Yeah, I'll give it four. Yeah. And so, someone- I, I got to say, some of those rides look cool. Like the one where the, uh, the one where you'd have multiple people on the on a on the raft that would go down like kind of the, the Colorado River Rapids. Yes, mm-hmm. now that would look cool that. to me. Mm-hmm. It was dangerous and scary, but fun. Uh, someone said this texture says action park pretty boring. Watched about half of it and gave up. I get it; it was dangerous. The nonchalant attitude of former workers was irritating. Yeah, they were pretty yeah. nonchalant about the people who would get bruised and 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 battered. 
Uh, guys, I was excited to watch it. Unfortunately, HBO Max costs money. Yeah, sorry about that. That's all right. You'll probably watch it on YouTube because it came out in 2020. Uh, I was visiting my dad a few summers ago when he st- was stationed at Picatinny Arsenal military base in the early 80s. We went to Action Park just one time, but I remember fairly well. It must have been 82 or 83. I recall how cold the water was, how much chaos there was, and had how I had my hand on the alpine slide break constantly so I didn't fly off the track. Just crazy, but it was fun to a 12-year-old. Yeah, so the one guy who who was 20, I mean, goes off the alpine slide and hits his head on a rock and goes into a coma and then dies. dies. Awful. And now, see, like, there's that alpine slide up north in in, um, at Lutzen. And I remember the alpine slide causing all kinds of injuries. Usually not serious ones, but like... Yeah, I remember people getting injured on the Alpine slide, which mm-hmm. again, back then you're like, ooh, there's a little, that's kind of cool that people actually get hurt on this. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, but yeah, so because it's a concrete track. And if you're yeah. going down and if you fall off, or get, you're probably going to get hurt a little bit. And there are no guardrails no. and nobody's running it. You're running it. And if you don't know how to, you know, navigate or pull the brake, you're screwed. So it, but I did like the commentary that you're talking about at the end, you know, saying that, oh, it was the 80s. Yeah. Like, Adam, don't, that made me think, don't you think we parent, like, the helicopter's parents came out of that generation. Yes. Those were the teenagers that were unparented mm-hmm. and untethered and, you know, try to be back by dinner, maybe, you know, and I think that. They grew up and realized, oh, my gosh, I could have died at any of those instances, and I will parent differently because they felt unparented. That and sadly, we just have instances in this life where we realize that there's some horrible people out there. Like I always like this part of the country, it's Jacob Wetterling. You know, that changed everything. Where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you didn't care that your kids were out biking, but that changed everything with parents saying, no, I gotta, uh, we need to know where you are. Mm-hmm. We need to have a little more supervision than we used to have. But yeah, I mean, again, every generation figures things out and they do it differently, differently and usually do it safer. It doesn't mean we're softer. Uh, it just means we, we do things differently. David, did you watch it all? Uh, no, because as a texture said, it's on, what is it? HBO Max. And I don't have that. And I Sorry. did not watch it. Sorry. Thank you for indulging me, though, because I've been wanting to see it. I made the kids watch it, too. Uh, and what they did they like, think of it? It was a little slow for them, but they did think that it was crazy. And it was fun that their mom and dad had both been there. So um, they weren't as wowed as I, but it was more nostalgic no, for me. No, for sure. Uh, the only thing I comes close is I remember going to Valley Fair with a group of friends. And we were on the – they've got that canyon. I don't know what it, what do they call it, but it's like you're in a raft, but it's like a hard raft. It's like a okay. – you can, you can wear your – it's not like a you get soaked. Mm-hmm. But one of my buddies got, I don't know how he got sick on the thing because it wasn't very, that wild, but he gagged up a piece of hot dog. Oh, my God. And the hot dog was bouncing around the raft. Ew. And then everybody started getting sick on it. <gasps> oh, that is so yeah. awful. I don't know why it made me think of that. but Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 